Welcome to week six of our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. Our topic this morning is Discover the Rhythms of Sabbath. Our scripture reading is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. This is what we famously call the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your computer or iPhone, excuse me, nor your female or male servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. I still remember that childhood feeling whenever there was snow in the forecast. I remember praying for, hoping for, anticipating an early morning phone call on our, get this, house phone. On some lucky winter mornings while it was still dark, the phone would ring and I would hear the sound of my mother's voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, I'll call the next person on the list. In that moment, I wondered what we all wondered. Was it a delay or a snow day? Hearing the rustling under my sheets, my mother would crack open the bedroom door and say, stay in bed, there's no school, it's a snow day. Like that, my entire world had changed. There was no school, no work, no responsibilities. Thank God, stores were closed. Roads were impa impassable. I had a free day, a day to play, a day that was sure to include hot cocoa with marshmallows on top. As a kid, there is nothing like the gift of a snow day. At the start of the book of Exodus, the Hebrew people had no concept of a snow day, a day off, a free day, a day to play. The reason? They are slaves. Slaves are owned. Their days, their time, their lives were not their own. Their lives were ordered by their Egyptian masters. Exodus chapter 1 tells us that the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor, with brick and mortar. Day after day, life after life, generation after generation was spent stacking brick after brick after brick after brick. 
Slaves were not seen as human beings. They were made to be human doings. Their lives revolved around their productivity. Their worth was measured by their work. All they knew was work, brick after brick, life after life. At the start of the book of Exodus, the Hebrew slaves know nothing of a free day, a day off, until like that. God changed their lives. Through plagues, a Passover, and a daring sea crossing, the Lord brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and into the wilderness. And for the first time in 430 years, the Hebrew people are not slaves. They are free. And the questions hang in the air. What will they do with their newfound freedom. Now that they have a choice, how will they choose to order their lives? Will they choose to be like the nation they were freed from or a holy nation? Will they recreate the world they had left behind or establish a new world order? And perhaps the most important question, what will the God of the plagues, of the Passover, and of the parted Red Sea do? Next. And of all the infinite possibilities before the Lord, the Lord chooses to give these free people a set of commandments. A a list of what many of us view as rules and regulations. Doesn't it feel a a bit ironic, maybe stifling? The Lord went to all this trouble to free these people and now the Lord is putting them under the law? What if God gave his people the law, his free people the law, so that they would stay free? What if the commandments are a gift and in them we find the key to becoming a peaceful, just, holy, and free nation? Many of us, many of you know that It's part of my personality to get excited, and when I get excited, I tend to get a bit loud. You've you've heard me preach, right? I like to often get loud with my children when I get excited. And it's not because they're being bad. I just increase my volume with excitement. And sometimes after dinner, I tell my kids to clean up the the playroom. And, And... Every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, they actually listen. They clean the playroom. And in that moment, I get excited and so I get loud and I command them from the kitchen to come here right now, almost as if it's a rebuke. And when they listen and they come into the kitchen, I'm always awaiting with chocolate. And I stuff them with chocolate for their obedience. When God gives his people the Ten Commandments, while it may be intimidating, the scene of the Lord God Almighty descending upon Mount Sinai, he's giving them something that is very, very good. We listen to the Ten Commandments because they are very, very good for us. God is showing us how to create a life that is better than our old life. He brought the people out of Egypt, and in the Ten Commandments, he is commanding Egypt out 
of them. And as we already heard, one of the defining characteristics of life in Egypt was to be worked ruthlessly. Their lives were all work, no play, all work, no worship. And in the wilderness, from the top of Mount Sinai, the Lord sees his beloved, exhausted, and distressed people, and the Lord has mercy. Today, the Lord sees us, his beloved, exhausted, frenetic, distressed people, and the Lord has mercy. He says to you and I, I know what you need, and it's not just a snow day. It's not just another long weekend, or and it's not just a vacation. Do you know what you need? You need a Sabbath. And it's not an optional day. It's not a suggestion to take this day once a week. I remember my older sister teaching me that speed limits were only suggestions. When I received my license, I learned from the police that they are not suggestive. The Lord commands the practice of a Sabbath day. And the commandment does not just appear in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy and throughout the prophets. It appears throughout the Old Testament. And one of the things I was reminded of this week is it's not just an Old Testament commandment. It's not meant to be simply a Jewish practice. Did you know that the Sabbath is one of those commandments that is upheld in the New Testament? The author of the New Testament book Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9. And, and just keep in mind, he's writing to Christians. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. See, it's, it's easy to read the stories about the life of Jesus and believe that Jesus stands against the Sabbath, right? Is, aren't, isn't Jesus and his disciples constantly breaking the Sabbath, healing on the Sabbath, plucking grain on the Sabbath? Jesus teaches on the Sabbath, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Ultimately, he's saying to his critics, I invented the Sabbath. And not once throughout Jesus' ministry does Jesus ever move to abolish or prohibit the practice of Sabbath. In fact, in fact, Jesus' problem with the practice of Sabbath among his contemporaries is that his contemporaries had lost God's true purpose for Sabbath. And Jesus directs you and I back to the true meaning of Sabbath. And here is the true meaning of Sabbath. It's not about rules and regulations. Sabbath means to stop and rest. The Sabbath is one day a week that the Lord commands you to stop and rest and make it holy. Stop your work and rest from all your work. We read that together in Exodus 20. All your work. And just to be clear, the problem is not the presence of work. Work is good. Jobs are a blessing. There are people out there today who don't have work and would love more work. There are others who are unable to work or are retired and miss their work. There are still others whose work is school or caring for children full time. 
Your work will shape the future. Your work is a high and holy calling. But here's the problem in Egypt. And here's the problem in Fairfield County. It's not the presence of work. It is the absence of rest. Life in Egypt was defined by an absence of rest. Life in Fairfield County is defined for many by an absence of rest. And I've seen it in seen it firsthand. Many of us have an inability to put work down. We have an unwillingness to say no to activities. We have a propensity to overcommit ourselves to things that are not important and unnecessary. It's almost as if we wear a badge of honor in this part of the country that reads busy, 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 busy. It's almost as if our value, our worth, our importance is linked to our ability to stay so busy. It's like Egypt, we have become human doings. It's like Egypt, we place our value on our productivity. The issue we have in Fairfield County is an absence of rest. I don't even know if we know what it means to rest. The Lord is commanding us to reorder our lives. This is what you've been taught by society and by culture. Order your lives around work. Do you know what God does on the first week of creation? He, he creates human beings on the sixth day. And the very next day, the seventh day, he commands rest. He orders our lives, not around work. He blesses us with work, but he orders our lives around rest. Why does God command rest every seventh day? Let me ask you, why do you need to put gas in your car? Why do you need to charge your phone? Why do you need to water your garden? We are human beings, and the need for rest is built into us by God. And we are beginning to witness what happens when an entire generation forgets to rest. I have to tell you, one of the most discouraging things that, that happened to me that I witnessed when I got into ministry, youth ministry, was that I noticed that my high school students were anxious, stressed, exhausted, depressed, and addicted. They were burning out. And I wondered, where did this come from? And I believe it came from our generation who never taught our children, our teenagers, our adolescents, the importance of rest. All of culture is designed to continue to get you to go, 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 and go. And even on Saturdays and Sundays, it's all about being busy. And our overscheduled lives are leaving us feeling totally used up like a battery that's so depleted it cannot be recharged. Many of us are withering under the stress. Our lives are so busy and we're withering. We have everything we need and more and we're withering. And God gives Sabbath to restore those of us who are withering. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark chapter 3 about Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath. I encourage you to read it this week. Jesus enters the synagogue. The, the man was worshiping God on the Sabbath. He was in the right place in a house of worship on the Sabbath, and this man had a withered hand. There was a part of his body, a part of his life that was withering. 
And as they watched Jesus, they wanted to see if Jesus would break the rule. Would Jesus heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus says to the man with the withered hand, come here on the Sabbath. He says to this man, come to me. And Jesus asks, is it lawful to do good or harm on the Sabbath? To save life or to kill? But they were silent. His critics remained silent. And he looked around with anger and grief at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man's hand was restored. The man with the withered hand, the withering man, enters the house of worship on the Sabbath and is restored by Jesus. See, the purpose of Sabbath is not to obey a set of rules and regulations, but to seek restoration in the, in the presence of Jesus Christ. Sabbath was made for man. It was made for you so that you could be restored. And this man finds Jesus on the Sabbath. This man finds hope on the Sabbath. This man finds compassion in Jesus on the Sabbath. This man finds power in Jesus on the Sabbath. This man finds healing in Jesus on the Sabbath. This man finds restoration in Jesus on the Sabbath. God commands us to take a Sabbath day that all who are withering might be restored in Christ. Last question. How do we do it? How, how can you and I practice Sabbath? And, and many people think that it's as easy as taking a day off from work. It's not that simple and it's not that easy. The, the Jewish uh, people had a day of preparation for the Sabbath. It, it actually takes work to Sabbath. It takes planning and preparation for you to observe a Sabbath. And, and Pastor Pete Scazzaro, the author of the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, identifies four disciplines that are vital for finding restoration in Christ on Sabbath. Number one, and, and number one is so important because if you don't do number one, you don't get the other three. Number one, stop. Stopping is built into the literal meaning of the Hebrew word Sabbath. Every other day is a day of activity. Sabbath day is a day of inactivity. When the Lord created the heavens and the earth, he divided time into sevens. He created seven days in a week. And on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Do, do you know that the word of God says that the Lord neither slumbers nor sleeps? The Lord doesn't need to rest, yet the Lord stops. And, and the Lord had a, a full week, the first week of creation. I, I know you had a busy week last week. Um, the Lord created the heavens and the earth. That's pretty good. And, and, and I have to ask you, was, was the Lord's work finished after he created the heavens and the earth? When, when, when you have children, after the baby comes out, are, are you finished or is your work just beginning? It's just beginning. No new parent says, hey, I'm glad that's over. That was great. The Lord's work is just, in a sense, uh, he's eternal, but in a sense, is just beginning. His work's not done, yet the Lord stops and rests. Do you know to be godly means to stop? Have, have you ever heard that in church, that, that to be like Jesus means to rest, to stop? Most of us can't stop. We feel like we have to finish everything before we can stop. 
We have to send out this email, schedule this appointment, wash our clothes, pay those bills, call them back. The problem is if you wait until you're finished with everything to stop, you'll never stop. Sabbath starts by stopping all your work. You stop trying to run the universe and you trust the universe to the Lord. Number two, rest. Our, our lifestyle is to work really hard until we make it to the next vacation. I'll speak personally again. And maybe this has happened to you. Do you ever come back from vacation feeling more exhausted? Did, ha, have you ever said to another human being, I need a vacation from all my vacations? Yeah. You are designed by God to rest from physical exhaustion, hurriedness, multitasking, decision-making technology, even catching up on errands one day a week. In order to rest, I want you to ask yourself this. What is restful for me? What is restful for you? Is taking a nap restful? Is sleeping in restful? Is, is coffee cake and, and coffee on the back porch restful? Is being outside on a beautiful fall day Restful. What is restful to you and your family? Sabbath is a day to rest. Number, number three, delight. Sabbath is a day to delight. God finished his work in creation and God proclaimed it was very good. The Hebrew phrase, very good, communicates a sense of joy, completion, wonder, and play. God delighted in creation. What brings you delight? Is it eating certain foods? Is it taking a hike? Is it gardening, exercising, playing music? Ask yourself, what makes you say it's very good? Sabbath is a day to delight. Last thing, you can stop, you can rest, you can delight, and, and you actually haven't had a Sabbath, okay? So if, if you get the three, but you don't get the fourth, you have not practiced Sabbath. You had a leisurely day, maybe you had a good day, but you didn't practice Sabbath. When the Lord speaks of Sabbath, he speaks of keeping a day holy, he speaks of a Sabbath day that includes worship to the Lord. The Sabbath is always holy to the Lord. The defining quality of biblical Sabbath is reconnecting with God. The deep work of soulful rest, restorative rest, requires the Lord. This is why most Christians Sabbath on Sundays because worship is built into our day. But on Sabbath, uh, whether we take a time of silence, whether we take a time of prayer and praise and scripture reading, we are constantly reminding ourselves of who God is and who we are in the Lord. We, we hear the good news of the gospel over and over again. We, we understand that we're created in God's image, that we're loved by God, that the Son has forgiven us on the cross, and that through faith in Christ that the Lord is graceful and faithful all the days of our life and forevermore. And when we do this, we find rest for our souls. The Sabbath is the one day of the week that Christians stop, Christians rest, Christians delight, and Christians worship. What would it mean for you and your household to start practicing Sabbath? It's not just another vacation you need. It's not another long weekend. It's not a snow day. It's a Sabbath day that you need. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. And when we stop, when we rest, when we delight, and when we worship, we do so. And we count on the Lord Jesus Christ to restore us. May it be so. Amen.